Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Little Oracles podcast, an oracle for the everyday creative. I'm Allison Arth. So in part one of this poetry extravaganza in celebration of National Poetry Month here in the U.S., I talked about the working poets I love and why I love them, and I knew I was going to leave someone out, and I did. I left out two people that I just want to name check really quickly here. Natalie Diaz, who wrote Postcolonial Love Poem, which I absolutely adore, and Lely Long Soldier, whose work Whereas I talked about in episode two, one of my favorite books of 2022, a really mind-blowing, incredible piece of poetry. So check those two out in addition to the 17 others that I mentioned. I'm not giving you any homework here, am I? (laughs) But both of these poets, their work absolutely glitters like uh, the inside of a thunder egg for me. Check them out. But let's get into the rest of this all poetry two episode set with some recommendations for engaging with poetry that go beyond the page. So one way I love to incorporate poetry into my day-to-day is through podcasts dedicated to the form itself, which most often take the shape of interviews between poets. So my go-tos are the New Yorker Poetry Podcast, which if you've been listening to the show for a bit, you've heard me mention quite a lot, the Verses Podcast, Poetry Off the Shelf, and the Poetry Magazine podcast. And while all of these contain at least a little bit of poetry in the sense that poems are read aloud in these podcasts, they're really more about conversations about making poetry and observing the world and having values and histories and trajectories. They're about the poets who do the work. So they're conversations between people, basically, (laughs) who happen to be poets. And poetry is just a gathering point for these really fascinating, creative, and very lush conversations. So poet Kevin Young, whom I mentioned in part one, hosts the New Yorker Poetry Podcast because he's the sitting poetry editor of the magazine. And the framework for the show is Kevin talking with a poet whose work has appeared in the magazine. And so naturally, the poet reads a piece they wrote, and they discuss it. But the fun and really sparkling twist here is that that said poet also reads a piece by another poet that has appeared in the New Yorker and discusses that piece with Kevin as well. So it's poetry appreciation for sure. And it's a way into poems that I think is really often overlooked. You know, hearing poets talk about and share insight into other poets work. And I just I love it. And if you go way back in the archives, you'll hear episodes hosted by Paul Muldoon, the former poetry editor of The New Yorker. And those could just sue the crying baby. His voice is an absolute charm. So if you find you like the format, I really recommend you go all the way back and listen to the entire series. And I don't want to come off as too like cult of personality here, but I love the Versus podcast and I love its first set of hosts, poets Dennis Smith and Franny Choi, whom I also shouted out in part one, as well as its new hosts, Ajane Dawkins and Brittany Rogers. And it's a more lively podcast than most, I would say. It's kind of irreverent and fun, but not like slapstick or anything. They 
they kind of get into it. You know what I mean? They, they get into the meat and the tough stuff. And the pair of hosts, they sit down with another poet and they talk about life and creative process and weird obsessions and whatever. And the poet reads their work, sure, but it's not as much of an analysis-based podcast as some of the others. It's just kind of rollicking and a little rambunctious and very real. And I, I absolutely love that show. And with both Poetry Off the Shelf and the Poetry Magazine podcast, you're getting a little more serious with Poetry Off the Shelf focusing on personal backstory and culture on the whole, I might say, and the Poetry Magazine podcast facilitating a conversation between two poets in each episode. But both are just really wonderful to listen to, and I get inspired every time. So that's our little roundup of podcasts for you. And... Speaking of listening to things, I wanted to mention that you can read a collection of poetry without sitting down with a physical or digital book. So many poetry collections are available as audiobooks, and what's really exciting is that most of them are read by the poets who wrote them. So if you're in a jam or a time crunch, or maybe you just don't find you get a lot out of sitting and reading a book of poems, try an audiobook. And actually, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast before, but I often read a collection a few times in a row using both my eyes and my ears because it really enriches the experience for me. So I'll read the collection in book form and then I'll listen to the audiobook. And then sometimes I'll reread the book while I'm listening to the audiobook. And it's just, I don't know, so holistic for me. Uh, I love hearing where poets pause or where they emphasize. And I love hearing that, you know, kind of juxtaposed with my own reading of the work. It just kind of adds color to the weave. You know what I mean? So switching over slightly, I want to mention social media, which if you're not a social media user, that's totally cool. I get it. But I wanted to say that a lot of poets keep really inspiring social profiles. I'm thinking specifically of Megan Fally's social presence here. She's one of these poets who just loves to teach and inspire. And her Instagram and TikTok both have all kinds of writing prompts and tips and hacks and examples. So she's a great follow if you just want to start thinking like a poet, or if you're feeling stuck or mired in your own work. And remember, poets are people too. So not every poet's social feed is going to be just like free tips or whatever. But if you have a poet you love, see if they're on a platform you use, and you might find a way to engage more with their work, with other people who are interested in their work through the comments, and you can just find some new friends in the poetry sphere. And kind of related to the social media space is just Googling performances. (laughs) I know that seems kind of like 101 level, but you might be surprised at how many poets post their spoken word performances online or how many poetry slam events make it to YouTube. And honestly, hearing poetry brought to life in that way, you know, in performance and the physicality of that can be so invigorating and exciting and kind of mind changing in a way. And you know, this is kind of like listening to a poet read their audiobook (laughs) when I think about it. Only, I don't know, it's a lot more explosive and effusive, I think, because there's the stage, there's the audience, there's that interaction between the two. But it just gives you a new perspective on what a poem can sound like or feel like, how it can affect you, or what a poem can just, you know, what it can be. It can be 
an aural experience where you hear a line differently or you suddenly hear a reflection in sound or a refraction of meaning. And I'm using these sight words very intentionally here because it's all about gaining a new vantage on an art form. So one recommendation, if you're not excited about my just Google it advice, is the Button Poetry YouTube channel, and I'll link it in the show notes. You're going to find stellar performance after stellar performance, including ones by Andrea Gibson, whom I called out in part one. And, you know, likewise, you can look for live poetry events in your area if you feel safe going to public performances and gatherings. But even if you don't, seriously, look thee to the internet and a whole world shall open up for you. So finally, I want to mention poetry games. So these are ways that you can actually get involved in the act of writing poetry. And I'm not just talking about poetry prompts and writing exercises for like school age kids, which are totally great and awesome getting kids into experimenting with poetic form and stretching those creative writing muscles early on is fantastic. I love that. But I'm talking about the intersection of poetry and writing with tabletop role-playing games. So if you're not familiar with this concept, you're certainly not alone. It's a space I work in personally, but there are a lot of game designers exploring ways to democratize the act of writing poetry and prose through gamified role play. And what I mean by that is a lot of folks working in this arena are creating mechanics-driven pathways to making poems. So if you've never written a poem before, or the last time you wrote one was to your middle school crush who ignored you for the rest of the year, or you're a regular versifier who just wants to juice it up a little, poetry games or writing games might be for you. So there are a few I want to highlight, all of which can be found on the online indie creator marketplace, itch.io, and I'll leave links in the show notes too, so you can check them out. So first up is Sunrays by William Rotor. So you play this game solo or with up to four players, and you embody characters who are living harmoniously in a self-sustaining community following an ecological apocalypse. You write four poems over the course of the game. Each one represents a year in the commune, and each one is constrained in some way by the mechanics of the game, whether it's, you know, number of lines or words that have to rhyme or you're borrowing words from other lines or stanzas or poems. So the art in this game is just gorgeous, and it's just a little wonderful and uplifting game about writing poems that are filled with gratitude and appreciation and love for the land. It's really just very lovely overall. The second one I want to mention is No One Dies Alone in Revolution by A.J. Ellis. So this is a solo game. You play it by yourself and you play an empiromancer. So that's somebody who divines through fire and smoke. And You're this revolutionary in an undisclosed location, in an undisclosed time. So it could be thousands of years ago, it could be far in the future, it's unclear, and that's really one of the wonderful things about it, in my opinion. And the poetic action of this game is composing a battle prayer for a new inductee into the ranks of the resistance that you're part of. So already a very charged, very intense, very fierce scenario, which can be really thrilling to explore through poetry and can help you get to some really dynamic poems, I think. 
So the game uses dice and playing cards to kind of guide the content and even the meter or the rhythm of your lines. So there are a lot of moving parts, but if you're up for a challenge, I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it very highly. And third, Moon Crackle Pen by an author who only goes by the handle Calling, that's C-A-L-L-I-I-N-G. And again, I'll link this in the show notes, so don't fret if you want to follow up on this one. So this is a micro micro game, I would say. It's only a couple of pages long and it's pretty replayable because the primary action other than writing the poem, of course, is rolling on a chart. And if you're unfamiliar with RPGs, that just means you use a die to roll a bunch of numbers in a row, each of which corresponds to a box on a chart that gives you information about your character or your setting or your objectives, things like that. So if you're super new to the world of role playing, this might be a great place to start. You roll up a few details about your character and their situation, and then you roll up some modifiers that determine what poetic form you'll write in and what special condition or ability your specific character brings to their poetry. So for example, if you've rolled the character type obsessive academic, your special condition is that you have to pick up any book that's near you and open it to a random page and use some or all of the second line on that page in your poem. So pretty cool, right? There aren't any actual guidelines for writing the poem, like content-wise or length or anything like that. So you can kind of go ham and just imagining what this character you've cobbled together would think and write about in the situation that they found themselves in. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about poetry role-playing games, honestly. They give you the chance to shake off any notions you have about what a poem ought to be about, because you don't have to write them from you. (laughs) You know, you're playing a role. You're embodying another character. You're kind of relieving the pressure you might feel to, quote, do poetry right, because it's so often held to this incredibly lofty standard, like it's the pinnacle of the written arts, and it has to be about the sublime, or like the gods, or elegizing your regency beloved who like died of consumption or whatever and so essentially a poetry rpg is a toolkit or a template almost that you can use to create within a genre that can be really intimidating i mean that's why i write poetry role-playing games like i said a little bit ago it's to democratize the art you know to make it egalitarian and to give everyone a way in And I guess I should shout out my own work, too, in case you're interested. I'll link it, but I've written a handful of poetry games. Some fall into what I call the Western cantos. So they take place in the American West around uh, the 1880s. And the opener is a solo game called Gentleman Bandit, in which you play this dastardly rogue who leaves 13 line poems at the sites of his crimes. And it uses playing cards to determine content and tone. And I have a hack of that game called Gentleman Pirate, which is just my love letter to David Jenkins's fantastic comedy series, Our Flag Means Death, starring Reese Darby and Taika Waititi. If you haven't seen it, it's on HBO. It's just really wonderful. And there are a few other poetry generators and predictive text poetry games on my page as well. So it's just kind of a grab bag of poetry fun times if you want to check it out. But to return to the matter at hand, poetry carries a lot 
of cultural baggage, at least it does in my experience. And so it's really common to feel like there are so many rules or regulations or expectations for what a poem, quote, should be. And that means that sometimes it's just easier to disengage from the art altogether. But you know what? (laughs) Poetry is for everybody. It's for everybody. And to paraphrase the brilliant Dennis Smith from the very first episode of the Versus podcast, and this has stuck with me since way back in early 2017. So they were talking about how they wanted to say a prayer for all the folks who think poetry is only about revealing these big, deep, dark, heavy secrets. And that that's true. It can be about that. But And this is the line that really rattles around in me all the time. Dennis said, it can also be about grilled cheese. And I just think that's so important to remember. Because since poetry is for everybody, it can be about everybody and every body and by extension, everything. It doesn't have to be intense and this like lacrimose moment that just brings everybody down or these paroxysms of trauma or all about the nasty badness that's happened in your life and it definitely can be about those things and it can be a really healing way to approach those things and to process those things but it can just be about grilled cheese and that grilled cheese doesn't have to be a stand-in for like I don't know environmental corrosion or something it can be about a flower you saw on the way to the grocery store and that flower doesn't have to be an emblem of death or whatever (laughs) things can be things and beauty can be beauty you know and you can write about anything and everything as much as you want whatever you want whenever you want poetry is for everybody and that includes you And so we come to the close, and I would hope we shadows have not, in fact, offended, but rather inspired you to seek out some poetry today, tomorrow, this month, this year. Check out part one if you haven't already, and you'll have a passel of recommendations for poets that I cannot put down, so you might find one or two in there that light you up as well. Follow at Little Oracles on Instagram and check out the blog at littleoracles.com for more big book energy and creativity content. And as always, take care, keep creating, and stay divine. You embody characters who are living harmoniously in a self-sense... I need to start again. <laughs>